Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast number 67, the UK's digital TV and technology show, the show that's driven by feedback from you. My name's Carl, and with me today is our tech guru, Pete. Hi there. Get yourself a compass and a sat-nav, because today we're going geocaching. But first, here's a look at what we'll be talking about in today's tantalising take on technology. The price of TV movies is sky high. Local TV is coming to a town near you. Symbian, Google and Motorola mobiles. iPhone 5, movies on demand and Wi-Fi printing. Plus noobs, nerdle and jeggings. Woot! No idea. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast. Now loading. News. First off, news of the three mysterious channels that have appeared on Freeview. The channels, called Vision, Connect and Stream, seem set to offer paid access to a number of services, including foreign TV channels. This will be done using the internet connection available on new Freeview HD TV sets and set-top boxes. No news yet on when the owners Reach TV will be launching the service. Next, looking to buy a Samsung Galaxy? You'll have to hurry. Samsung has been banned from selling the Galaxy S, Galaxy S2 and the Galaxy Ace in parts of Europe due to an alleged infringement of a patent owned by Apple. Some ebook news now. Amazon has launched the Kindle Cloud Reader, a web-based version of the Kindle ebook. Although it works on most browsers, it's aimed squarely at iPad users and lets customers get books from the Amazon Kindle store, therefore bypassing Apple's 30% markup applied to in-app purchases. Sneaky workaround, guys. Online TV news now. It's just been announced that Google will be launching its TV service here in the UK in early 2012. The service will require a special set-top box or TV set and will offer internet-based TV. The service hasn't been much of a hit in the US so far, but Google is hopeful that with the right partnerships, Google TV could work here in the UK. Next, all hail to Timothy D. Cook. A name you're not familiar with? Well, he's the new boss of Apple, now that Steve Jobs has officially resigned as CEO. More on Tim's new product, the iPhone 5, later in the show. Some other snippets, you can expect an update to 4OD, Channel 4's on-demand service. There'll also be a new iPhone and iPad app for Channel 4 due in the next few weeks. Sky viewers note that the Cartoon Network celebrates its UK 18th birthday by coming to Sky's HD service in September. Plus, congratulations to Sheffield, Chesterfield, Leicester and Derby, the latest parts of the UK, to complete the digital switchover. And finally, our website of the month, Radio Fail, a collection of recent bloopers heard on UK radio. Today's gem, a reporter from Capital FM had been sent to a local train station. She asked a commuter to comment on the fact that the station had been voted one of the worst in the UK. His reply? Yeah, it's alright, but it does play too many adverts. Thanks, Pete. For more on these stories and others, visit frequencycast.co.uk slash news. Frequency Cast. Now loading. Focus. 
So it's focus time, and this one is led by an email we've had from Adam Child. He says, any chance of reviewing the best tech to support geocaching? I've been really impressed with this craze, which works all over the globe. Ah, yes, geocaching, that lovely hobby. Yes, and he is currently using an iPhone 4 with the GroundSpeak app. So there's bound to be a few listeners out there not that aware of what geocaching is. And to be honest, Carl, you weren't either, were you? I wasn't until you took me out. So we went out and about on behalf of FrequencyCast to find out what geocaching was all about. We're sitting in a car. It's not a particularly nice day outside, but we're going to do some experimentation. What we're going to do is look for our first ever geocache. Okay, so we're going to find some money. iPhone 4 in front of me here. I'm going to open up an app called Geocaching. Okay, I've fired this up, and just show me what we can see there. Right, we got a map, and uh, there's a little blue blob. Is that us? Yes, it is, yep. And a green arrowy thing, like a teardrop, really. What, what does that do? Right, that looks to be, what, about a third of a mile away from where we are now? Oh, yeah, I'm guessing so, yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to drive as close as we can to that little green drop. Where is it then? Now, looking at my screen here, we are 76 feet away in that direction, compass heading 83. Walk this way. All right, I'm following. So what we're looking at now is our little blue dot saying where we are. We're moving towards a green dot, following the geolocation 54 feet away, 50 feet away. We nearly there yet? By that park bench, I reckon. Do you agree? Okay, yeah. So we've navigated to within a foot of where we need to be. So there's its grid coordinates. And here it says it was hidden on the 23rd of May 2010, last found on the 7th of August. And let's have a look at it. So it's a nano cache, stealth required. And the hint is Arthur Fowler has one, but not here. East Enders, Arthur Fowler. Right, let's have a hunt around then, shall we? We've been here for, what, 20 minutes, Carl? At least. I'm getting old. The clue was, Arthur Fowler has one, but not here. Now, we were a bit stumped. Uh, we did a bit of Wikipedia-ing, just because neither of us follow EastEnders, and Arthur Fowler had a bench in Albert Square named after him, and we have a park bench where we are. However, we can't find anything, can we? No, we can't. We're going to have to give up on this one, aren't we? Yeah, we'll do another one. Now, let me just explain. This has been good fun. You look up the clues, we found out about the park bench, but more importantly, when you're here, you can actually work out whether or not you're in the right place by looking at previous people comments and there's little clues along the way we clearly failed on this one there is of course the other possibility that someone has nicked it well yeah we'll stroll this way back to the car and we'll see where we can find the next one right so what we're looking for now is something of an unknown size difficulty one and we are 286 feet away from it in that direction Let's get out of the car. So we're actually on a slipway by the seaside. I don't know if you can hear the waves in the background there. And I can't find this cache at all, can you? Nope. Right, on to the next place. Yep, let's try another one. Right, now this is fun. We're actually in a bush, in a park, and we can actually see the bag it's up in a tree neither of us are brave enough to climb up there and get it oh, you can't climb it it's a bush it is a bu- <laughs> Carl is now poking it with a large stick yeah. well I thought we'd found it then I thought we'd we got it what with that car seat or whatever it was yeah I think that was a spectator's seat someone had lobbed into a bush I think we were barking up the wrong tree there that was my line well I don't know about you the third time a treat yeah not here 
Well, here we are on the search after three failed attempts for a geocache. We're going to record a fourth go. I'm not so confident on this one, are you? I thought it was going to be third time lucky, but clearly not. Let's try fourth time lucky then. Well, we're very close. What we're looking for is uh, something called the Secret Garden. According to this, we're 13 feet away. Now, just uh, for the benefit of our listeners, what was our clue, Carl? Where fraud meets a Greek island. I didn't get this. No, I did. I think fraud is a con and a Greek island Crete, concrete. Oh, you're so clever. <laughs> now, we're in some bushes here. Hold on, let me get hold of a sharp stick. Oh, look, I found it. Where? Where, where, where? Nah, not really. So we're by a fence, a big metal fence, and there is a large lump of concrete buried into the ground with a tree growing out at the top of it. Covered we... in poison ivy. Not seeing a lot here. Oh, you check that side, I'll check over here. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, <laughs> look. There's a little bit of wooden board, and here, geocaching.com. It says here, www.geocaching.com, contents harmless. That's presumably to avoid the bomb squad. So have a look. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad someone's done it right. Look, <laughs> I was starting to give up on this whole game. Right, here we go. So this is a very well-sealed Tupperware box. Oh, now... What have we got in here? This is interesting. In here we have a Virgin Atlantic pen, a face wipe and an eye mask. Okay. And inside this carrier bag we have a candle, a plastic giraffe, two AA batteries, one match and a key ring. Hang on. And a fake £20 note. Don't be fooled, Jesus is the real thing. Someone's having a lot of fun here. <laughs> this looks like an ATM receipt. Oh no, geocaching. Congratulations, you found it. It's part of a worldwide game loved by GPS users on the hunt. Please don't vandalise the container. The real fun is finding it and recording a visit. Go ahead and take something if you like, but also leave something too. And tell us you found it. Ah, so this is the logbook. This was placed January 2009. G4UYG. Oh, he sounds like an amateur radio person. Hello. Oh look, there's pages and pages of people that have found this took the brain left led torch left virgin atlantic goodie bag right so that was has and joe thank you very much nice one has and joe when was that what date 27th of the 9th 09 that's a long time ago there's loads of them how many would you say there are here gotta be at least 30 these abbreviations keep coming up tftc yeah what does that mean thanks for the cash oh nice i had to look that one up now this is what we're going to leave as our return present can you describe what i have in my hand here yep it's a memory stick now what i have done is i've recorded a special hello from frequency cast the plan is we're going to leave this in this one and see if it does the rounds a bit if you happen to be one of our listeners and find it it's got a code number on it a five digit code email us that code and tell us you found our cash we'll love you forever i'm going to write a message in the book and if you want to hear the full version of our experiments lasting about, what was it, 15 minutes, Carl? 14.28, I think. Go to the show notes for today's show. It's all there. So, Carl, we tried geotagging for the first time. Now, be honest, what did you think? Well, I thought, forget the old days of orienteering, you know, the old compass and the map, treasure hunts. This is the future. It was totally awesome. I mean, what can you say? The ultimate world-class wide game, really. You actually really got into it. Is this something you could take up, do you think? Yeah, I think I could. I mean, it reminds me of the old days when you used to go camping, you know, all those outdoor activities, scouting, wide games or things like that. But uh, this would actually be cool over your bored lunch hour. I mean, you could do this in the city, couldn't you? And that is the beauty of it, because most people out there have got a smartphone which has GPS. That actually can lead you to almost where these thingies are and of course once you've got the app open you can see photos plus of course those clues that give you a bit of a a nudge in the right direction to find these things yeah really cool activity as well for young families as well as older couples or even bored teens actually 
I'm trying to think of someone that wouldn't enjoy having a go at this. Having said that, the first couple of times weren't terribly successful. I think once we found our first one, though, we kind of got the hang of it. And since we recorded that piece, we found, what, two more? Yeah, is it two more now? Yeah, I, I believe so. So it's just important to talk very briefly about the uh, containers that are out there. The smallest one we found was a nano container, which is about... How big is a nano, Carl? Well, it's a small metal cylinder. It's kind of like about the size of a, a bullet, really, wasn't it? And inside that, there's a tiny roll of paper where you can write your log information. Then you've got what are called micro caches, which are about the size of a film capsule. And then as you go slightly larger, you've got things like Tupperware boxes and even old ammunition boxes some people are using for these caches. So there's something in the order of 1.2 million of these things out there in the world. And apparently there are 220 countries taking part and there are tens of millions of people out there trying this. So, Pete, what's the tech spec? If I'm interested in doing this and I'm not into my technology, as we know, how do I go about it? Well, if you already own a smartphone, such as one of the Android phones or an iPhone, then you've actually got pretty much all you need already. It's already got GPS built in. It's already got the internet connection built in. You need to go to geocaching.com, create yourself a free account, and you can start. If you don't want to lug a smartphone around with you, you can get yourself a portable handheld device. There's a picture of one here. This is the Garmin Etrex. Quick description. Well, it looks like an electronic compass to me. That's exactly what this is. It's a small handheld device that can navigate you to within a few feet of these geocaches, and these things cost around about £65. And that's pretty much all you need to get yourself started. Now, Carl, what did we learn when we were out and about geocaching? Well, I must admit, dressing appropriately would be a good idea. Don't do this in your best clothes, but do do it in your jeans and your combats. Uh, Kit yourself up with a few tools, maybe a pen knife, a torch, a pen, uh, obviously a phone, just in case you get lost. Uh, obviously a good pair of shoes, because you might be uh, rooting around in the undergrowth. And, of course, finally, the most important thing, a sense of adventure. Well said. Get yourself involved. Sounds good to me. I also want to mention this little device here. This thing here is called a Garmin Chirp. Chirp? What does it do? Is it like a little bird? Better than that. Some people are hiding these in geocaches, and certain wireless-enabled Garmin uh, navigator devices actually use these things as beacons, so they transmit a signal. With a suitable device, you can home in on them, they store the hints, they show where the coordinates are, and it will confirm to anyone looking where the cache actually is, and it keeps a tally of visitors. So this is the newer kind of tech where you can go out and home in on the nearest cache. Fantastic and of course we're going to be taking part in this as well aren't we Pete? As a little bit of an experiment we are going to be seeding the UK with five USB memory sticks with some rather special audio on. Attached to these are going to be these things. How would you describe these? Dog tags. Yes, these things are called travel bugs, and each one of these has its own web page up on the geocaching.com website. So you can actually see where these have travelled around the world. If you happen to find a frequency cast one of these, let us know where you found it and the bug number. I'm just going, I'll be back in a minute. I'm just going to put some in the studio car park. While he goes and digs up the tarmac, we did have a tip in from Ian Hall, who says when it comes to geocaching, don't trust caches that have been set using a smartphone as the GPS isn't accurate enough. There you go. Take a look at our website where we'll put up some geocaching tips and photos. Next, I want to know what's going on in the world of technology. Give me some news, Pete. Righty-ho. Well, the big news of the month has been Google. Now, they have bought a rather large company with their small pocket money. Let me guess. Motorola? Good boy, you've been reading your notes again. Yes, they have purchased Motorola for the cheap sum of $12.5 billion. 
And the purchase is actually of the Motorola Motability division, which looks after handsets. Now, as you probably know, Google already have their Android operating system on phones made by HTC, LG, Samsung, Sony Ericsson, and a few other manufacturers. This means that they'll actually be in charge of their own destiny. They'll be owning a mobile phone hardware division as well as the software. So clearly they're trying to take on iPhone and Apple here. So that is potentially big news for the mobile phone industry and definitely one to watch. The first Google mobile phone made by Google, powered by Google. Interesting. What else? Well, I would like to talk to you about the latest from Symbian. Do you remember them? Oh, yeah. What do they do? Well, you still use one of those little Scion machines, don't you? That's powered by Epoch, which then became Symbian, and it moved from the PDA world into the smartphone world. All right. It's good to hear they're still about. Well, a new version of the Symbian operating system called Anna has just been released. Oh, I know Anna. She sits next to Tracy in accounting, doesn't she? Symbian Anna has been released. This will run on the Nokia N8, C6... E7 and the C601 handset. Anna offers some lovely shiny new icons, an update to the web browser, portrait keyboard and various other updates and polishes. It also offers NFC. Uh, Nantucket Fried Chicken. Very good. Actually, near field communication. So this is this uh, sort of wi- uh, wireless contact type stuff. Oh, right. Like So the new pay for everything wherever you go with your phone. That'll be the plan. Yeah, if you own a Nokia N7, NFC is coming to you. Now, if you want to get Symbian Anna, she is available from the Nokia Ovi Suite and Unless you happen to have a mobile phone that is operator branded, like say you've got a, a Vodafone version of the N7, you're going to have to wait until your operator releases the customised version. Otherwise, it's out there now, and it's another one around the corner, Anna's younger sister, codenamed Bell. Bella or Bell? Bell. B-E-L-L-E. Ding dong. Enough of mobile phones. Let's talk TV. What's your favourite TV channel? Ooh. Channel 4. How do you fancy Kidderminster TV or maybe Burnley TV or even Hemel Hempstead TV? No idea what you're talking about. Good. Let me fill you in on the story. There are plans afoot to have local TV stations all around the UK. They'll appear on Freeview Channel 8 and have local programming for around about an hour or more a day. And the government has released a list of 65 towns that could find themselves getting local TV as soon as 2013. How's that? More jobs? More jobs, yes. More local community combined? Is this something to do with rioting? I think it's intended to bring the communities closer together. The the government aim, according to Jeremy Hunt, the Culture Secretary, is that these TV stations can be set up for around about the cost of setting up a local newspaper. And if they're only broadcasting for an hour or so a day, in theory, they could actually work. Well, sounds promising. We stuck out a tweet just to see if any of our listeners had any thoughts. We heard from uh, Neil Tomlinson, Paul Metcalf and Peter Moss, who all said, yes, in principle, I like it. Mark Webb said, if the content was good, and by that he means local and regional-focused content, magazine shows, news, sport and user-submitted material. Carolyn Giesman got in touch to say it would depend on the content and how interesting it was. If it's only going to be on air for an hour a day, I'd need to record it and watch it at a more convenient time. As there's so much media to watch already, I'm unsure. And Paul Gulliver says, I live in Wiltshire. My nearest station would be Bristol or Salisbury. Perhaps rather than having local stations, you should have county stations. But my overall view, forget it. And we also heard from Andrew Barker. He said, not that interested, although I did watch some of Channel M from Manchester, which was up on Sky. Channel M used to do a really good job. They were locally resourced with some interesting local programmes. However, I find it likely that any of the proposed stations will actually provide anything other than a basic news service. On the subject of local TV, haven't you got some new thoughts about local radio? 
I guess this is my worry with these little TV stations. If the same happens to these new TV stations as has happened to local radio, I'm just a bit worried that we might find these TV stations kind of start merging or being taken over. In doing some research for this, though, I found some interesting stuff about community radio. One little interesting story tickled my fancy about one community radio station up in West Bromwich. Oh yeah, what happened there then? Well, according to last month's Ofcom Bulletin, which is a fascinating read if you don't read it, a couple of listeners complained that Radio Sandwell in West Bromwich had stopped broadcasting, so the authorities turned up at the transmitter site to see what was going on. What do you think they found? There was no one home and the aerial had fallen off. What they actually found was a laptop hooked up to the transmitter site. (laughs) Doing what? After some investigations, it actually transpires that the station was being run for about seven weeks, all from a laptop with no live programming. Not really what you want from your local radio station, is it? Now, there was one other one in the Ofcom report for last month that caught my attention, and that was a station called Boundary Sound that broadcasts to Newark-on-Trent. They went off air in June of this year, and when Ofcom got in touch to find out why, the answer was that the bailiffs had turned up and taken away the studio equipment. Yep, that would do it. Well, that's not fair, is it? So there you go. Interesting times for radio and, of course, local TV. Now, it's time to talk about movies, Cole. You're a movie buff, aren't you? I like the occasional film, yes. Well, this story's all about Sky Movies. Now, the Competition Commission has been looking into B-Sky B's dominance in the UK movies market, and it's ruled that it's non-competitive and costing UK viewers far more than it should. Now, those of you that are on Sky, if you decide that you want the Sky Movies package, you'd be looking at £16 a month, Okay. Ka-ching, £16. In addition, you've got the £20 basic Sky service. Ka-ching, £36. If you want HD as well, that's another tenner a month. Ka-ching, £46. And that will get you up to 400 movies a month. Now, the Competition Commission has ruled that UK consumers may be paying £50 to £60 more than they should for movies. Oh dear, it looks like the world of vinyl and CDs. They're overcharging everyone. Well, this is it. And the authorities are going to be taking action. There's a number of things they could do. They could restrict the deals that Sky have with the six main Hollywood studios, or they could be forced to do what they did with Sport, which is make them available at wholesale prices to the like of BT Vision and Virgin, which will be good news for us. So when am I going to start getting cheaper movies at the Odeon? Well, don't expect to start getting cheaper movies on Sky just yet. The official ruling won't be in until August 2012. Hmm. Another year... Right, Carl, are you up for a little bit of a test? Always. Okay, the 12th edition of the Concise Oxford English Dictionary is out, and it has some new terms. Are you ready? I'm ready. I've been reading up in my dictionary, and uh, I'm doing 150 a night now. The first one I'm going to test you on, retweet. Uh, That's a response to a tweet that you formerly had, so you retweet, you uh, reply, basically. Not quite. Actually, you take somebody else's Twitter message and you forward it on to your Twitter followers. But close enough. Okay, what about this one, sexting? Uh, that's when you text with a sexual connotation, so it's a bit innuendo-y or a bit sort of chatty-uppy. And any girls out there that would like to give it a try with me, uh, the text number is 07... Let's leave that, let's leave that, okay. <laughs> there are no psychotic women out there. Oh, good grief, he's so desperate. Okay, the third word here, mankini. Mankini, that's like a bikini, but for a man, it goes over his shoulders. Doesn't uh, Borat wear one? Spot on, okay. How about jeggings? Is that a little bit like jogging? It's a new exercise. They are leggings that look like jeans. Oh, right, those really tight fit... Oh, I like girls in tight fit trousers. What about N00B, or noob? I'm guessing that's to do with a newbie, someone who's new to something. Yep, spot on, and that's from the world of these online multiplayer games. Yep, noob as in a newbie. What about nerdle? 
Well, that's a bit like a jerk or a geek, isn't it? A nerdle. Nerdle. Any guesses? No idea. What is it? Well, nerdle is defined as to gently waffle or muse on a subject which one clearly knows nothing about. I feel that's what I do on this show. I thought that's what I was paid for. And the last one, woot. Woot? Isn't that what Hedwig does? You know, the owl on Harry Potter. Woot is an exclamation or a cheer, and you say it if something good happens in an online game. I actually thought it was want one of those, woot. But apparently woot is a celebration or a cheer. Go on, listeners out there, give us a woot. Woot! Hello, I'm John from Channel 5's Gadget Show, and you're listening to Frequency Cast. Just before we go on to interaction, I want to say hi to all the guys that tweeted us during the excellent Stephen Fry 100 Best Gadgets on Channel 4 the other day. Superb show, although Stephen did forget to mention Frequency Cast, of course. Uh, I just want to make a quick recommendation for an application that you should have on your smartphone if you have a data plan that's capped. The app is called Onavo, and its purpose is to save you from incurring extra costs for exceeding your data plan or even when you're roaming overseas. Here's a quick extract of how it works. It sets up your iPhone so that data that that is being sent from the internet to your iPhone is routed through our cloud-based service, which runs in the Amazon cloud, obviously. There, we have compression servers, which we call the magical shrinking machine. That basically uses our patent-pending technology to shrink the amount of data that's actually required, and then sends that smaller parcel of data back to your operator and your phone, so that you use less data and that you get to pay less. Really clever stuff, and the Anavo application is available at the moment for free, but they will be apparently charging for it soon. So get it while it's hot, and get it while it's free. It's available for the iPhone and the iPad, and there is also a version for Android mobiles, although the Android one doesn't do the data compression. It just does the alerts and watchdog stuff. It also gives you some really good graphs of what applications are eating your data. So that's Anavo for free, and we'll add a link up on today's show notes. Interaction. Time for some feedback and questions now. Uh, first of all, thanks to Brian for suggesting this e-petition on the government website. Mobile phone data should be free to use, unhindered in any way you wish. It's a fair point. And one we agree with. Go to our show notes where there's a link to that petition. Please sign it because mobile data should be free. Now a call about the iPhone 5. My name's Jack Jacobs. I'm ringing because I've got an iPhone 3G. I don't really want to buy the iPhone 4 because I've heard rumours of an iPhone 5. Could you let us know if you've heard anything about a possible release date? Okay, guys, thanks very much. Oh, yes, it's always a tense time on the run-up to the release to a new iPhone. Well, the date that we'd originally heard for the launch of the iPhone 5 was meant to be the 12th of September. It now looks like it may have slipped until October, with the date of October the 7th being the current favourite. When the 5 does come out, rumours are we could expect an HD screen, an updated camera and iOS 5, which is the latest operating system, which will include wireless sync. Keep an eye on our website's news page and we'll keep you updated. Next, Paul Eves got in touch. He says, Enjoyed the last show, especially the bit about electronic radiator valves. I was on the verge of buying seven for my house, but then discovered that you can only buy one unit and one remote controller. Uh, Yep, that's the size of it. Those are the ETRVs that we covered in the last show when we were up at the home automation show. He asked the manufacturer's salespeople, uh, why would I want to pay for six spare remotes? And they said that I should regard the remotes as a free bonus. I won't be buying any now. Not ideal. Barry from ETRV, if you're listening, please take note. Uh, Next, Kevin Griffiths asks, I've just upgraded my internet to fibre broadband. Lucky me, he says. 
and I want to know more about the internet TV options I've got. I'm not with BT for my broadband, I'm with Plusnet. So I assume BT Vision is out of the question. I was just wondering what internet TV boxes are worth looking into. Well, Kevin, you're absolutely correct that if you're with Plusnet, BT Vision is not an option. If I had to make a suggestion here, the one I'd say is worth a look is Apple TV that we reviewed back in show 57. The box is available for under £100 and there's a pretty good selection of movies on there. Well worth a look. Next, uh, John asks, I'm interested in buying a Wi-Fi printer for home. However, there seems to be a lot of competing standards. It would be good to print from iPhone and Android mobiles, as well as from PCs in the house and perhaps a PC at work over the internet. Hi John, well I wouldn't say there are competing standards as such. What you need is a printer that supports 802.11.g, which is the standard Wi-Fi protocol. You can get the newer N, but G works with just about everything. You also need a router and a printer that support WPA encryption. There are some other things that you may come across. There's a system called WPS, which is Wi-Fi Protected Setup, which really just speeds up the way you get your computer to talk to your printer, and it's not necessary. What you will see if you have an Apple iPad or iPhone is compatibility with something called Apple AirPrint. Now this at the moment only works on a very small handful of HP printers. Now if you want to print from your iPhone or your iPad and you don't want to buy one of these Apple AirPrint devices, get yourself the Eurosmarts print app. It works with network, Wi-Fi, USB and Bluetooth printers and it's only £2. See a link on our show notes for a how-to guide. And next, Stephen King, who's just finished his recent book, has been in touch. He asks, Can any of you shed some light on why the BBC iPlayer recently stopped working on some mobile phones? I'm going to hazard a guess here, Steve, that you're using a Samsung mobile. There's a note up on the BBC iPlayer website at the moment that says, We are currently investigating reports that some Samsung mobile phone users are experiencing difficulty using the BBC iPlayer on their device. It does look like the BBC is looking into some problems and we'll add a link to the show notes for today's show where you can find the iPlayer status page. And whilst I'm asking about how things are going, uh, how do we get on with GIFGAF? Well, I must admit, I'm a little disappointed in this one. We asked our listeners in the last show to sign up for a free GIFGAF SIM card to get themselves unlimited mobile phone data. And for each of our listeners that signed up, we get a small amount of pennies for our GIFGAF account, which we could use to cover our mobile phone costs for the show. Sadly, Carl, very few of our listeners actually bothered to do that for us, so uh, not quite as well as expected, but thanks for the 0.1% of our listeners that did. Yeah, show me about that. There is still time, though. Go to our show notes and get yourself a GIFGAF card and do us a favour. Well, as we wind down, don't forget you can leave us a voicemail by calling us on 0208 And you ladies out there can sext us on 07882 043521. And so we're PC. The boys can also sext us with anything they have to say. Just get in touch. Frequency cast. Well, that's all for this show, Show 67. For news updates or to get in touch, please visit frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for FrequencyCast. Thanks for listening to our tantalising take on technology. And if you like what you've heard, please spread the word. Frequency Cast. Shut down.